What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, December 7th. Senator Steve Daines joins me on the podcast today. Riley Gaines squashes a member of the squad. Ivy League college presidents cannot condemn calls for Jewish genocide. And the dinks go marching on TikTok. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lace Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for tuning in to the broadcast. If you're watching it live here on Rumble, please, as always, get down there, hit the share button. Let's bring in as many people to the broadcast as possible. Don't forget, smack that like button down there, leave a comment, and follow the channel here on Rumble. You guys have been great, and I got a great program for you guys today. Montana Senator Steve Daines is going to be joining me here in just a few minutes. Got a few topics to discuss. I wanted to hit on Riley Gaines and the Ivy League schools after I have the senator on. Uh, One thing, obviously, today being December 7th, we remember all of those that lost their life in Pearl Harbor, which was 82 years ago today. And now, obviously, Pearl Harbor is something that uh, Kamala Harris has compared to January 6th, right? Uses it in the same sentence. She likes to compare January 6th was worse than 9-11, worse than Pearl Harbor, or just the same. They don't belong in the same sentence. I know that the the people that survived or the people that lived through Pearl Harbor could tell you exactly where they were on December 7th, 1941, and it stayed with them until the day they died, just like 9-11. I could tell you right now everything that I did on September 11th, 2001. And that's now over 20 years ago. As for January 6th, that was just a few years ago. I have no idea where I was or what I was doing that day. But Pearl Harbor is one of those days. And it did kick off the chain of events which entered the United States into World War II. And and something that really struck me, and I spoke about this with Sean Parnell. I was on his show yesterday. But uh, something last week, when I went on Fox News and I was riding through New York to get there, it was the tree lighting. And I saw all of these... Palestinian flags all over the place in New York, and you hear the chants from the river to the sea uh, calling for the annihilation, the extermination of the Jewish people. And these are in the streets of New York City, and I couldn't help but think, like, especially today being December 7th, when the war ended in 1945, the New York City streets, Times Square, was full of American people celebrating, obviously celebrating the fact that the war was over and our boys would be coming home, but also celebrating the fact that we were able to rescue and liberate the Jewish people from what was an atrocity, a holocaust that was going on. The Jewish people being murdered and butchered and gassed. And we were able to save them from the most evil, vicious people on the planet that the planet has ever known. We celebrated that. This was a joyful moment for America, right? 1945, New York City streets. I'll put the pictures up here. Like, this is what it looked like. And then you fast forward now to what it looked like in New York City last week. And you have to wonder, like, if, if these Americans that are celebrating in Times Square when the war ends, after we sent millions of Americans over there to fight in this war, after over 600,000 of them were killed in action, so many more deal, dealt with, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress for years to come, injuries, I mean, j- just the effects of this war alone. If that generation could see the future where New York City would be filled with people now chanting and calling for the death and destruction and genocide of Jewish people, they would be sick to their stomachs to say, what in the world were we actually fighting for? This is the, the, the American people are now waving Palestinian flags, calling for the death to the Jews. And this is this is uh, so sad to see what's happened in this country and and all the people that fought and died for it. And so today, obviously, you know, we never forget. I never forget uh, December 7th, 1941. So many uh, of our military members died that day, but so many young Americans immediately signed up. A lot were drafted 
and we went on to the biggest conflict that we've known. And we want to remember that. And don't forget, you know, that's the greatest generation that this this country has ever known. And they uh, stood up, they stepped up, they did what was right, and they liberated the Jewish people from the Nazis. And so we remember that today. I know it seems like we say never forget, and we very quickly forget. I'm not one of those people. And so anybody out there that's got still living relatives from the great World War II, uh, I I thank you, I honor them, and I will never forget their service and their sacrifice. So I wanted to start off the show with that. Uh, today being December 7th. Now, last night, you had the fourth GOP debate. I don't know what the purpose of this thing is other than uh, getting Twitter impressions. Everybody was out last night on X. I'm guilty as charged. I was uh, engagement forming myself. The GOP debate was trending. I'm not going to play any clips from the debate. I think all you need to know about the debate, Megyn Kelly started it by saying this. All four of you are more than 50 points behind Donald Trump. Okay, that's the end of the debate. You don't need to watch it any further than that. Okay, other than the fact that Chris Christie uh, called Donald Trump unfit. Chris Christie, who's about 600 pounds on the hoof, he calls Donald Trump unfit. So I thought that was kind of comical, but you didn't really miss anything. Vivek Ramaswamy crushed it last night. I think he won the debate, but that's all I'm really going to say about it. If you want to know how many people want to tune into these things, just take the numbers from Fox, where they had the DeSantis-Newsom debate, which did about a million views. And then you had Trump just by himself doing a town hall with Sean Hannity, three and a half million views. Okay, so you see what the people, especially on the right, are interested in watching. And it's nobody but Donald J. Trump. So we had the debate going on last night. Now, one of the things, the story I want to talk about here before I bring on Senator Steve Daines is this crazy trend that is going on TikTok right now with the dinks. You got these young Americans talking about how they have double income, no kids. And that's what this DINK stands for. Double income, no kids. And they're parading. Now, when I think of DINKs, if you're anything like me, I I think of this scene here from Spaceballs with the DINKs coming down, marching down. Right? That's, That's what I think of. But they're putting out these videos on TikTok talking about how great their life is that they have two incomes and no children. So here's a sample of what has been going on here on social media. We're dinks. We're going to get asked daily when we plan on having kids. We're dinks. Of course, we're going to go out to eat every night after work. We're dinks. We don't have to ask our family for financial help or to watch our kid when we want to go out. We're dinks. We're going to go to Costco and buy all the snacks in bulk that we want. We're dinks. We have disposable income to spend on whatever we would like and don't have to spend on a kid. We're dinks. We're going to be asked constantly by family, friends, and strangers when we're going to have kids. We're dinks. We're going to go to Costco and buy all the snacks we want. We're dinks. We're going to support our friends who have kids, even if we decide to never have any. We're dinks. We're going to have lots of disposable income to spend on whatever we like. And the message here is don't have kids. That's the stress of the message that TikTok is pushing out. And if you Google this or you put it in the search bar, dinks, on TikTok, you'll notice, try it yourself, it's all white people that are doing it. So don't have any kids, white people. Don't try it. Now, if you if you look at what's happening here where you have these people celebrating their life of not having kids so they get to go to Starbucks and not having kids so they get to go to Costco and not having kids so they, they avoid all responsibility in life and they call this living. If you look at that, the encouragement of telling the young population not to get married, not to have kids or not to, not, not to have children, right? Don't be fruitful and multiply. Don't have kids. You combine that with the fact that we are mutilating and sterilizing the youth in this country. And it almost seems as if, for some reason, we're trying to depopulate the American people. We're trying to depopulate the population. Don't have kids. Castrate the ones that you do have. Wow, isn't that interesting? And just to prove the point here, look at this governor, this left-wing lunatic governor in Wisconsin. I'll put the tweet up on the board because his audio sucked. Governor Tony Evers Breaking, I just vetoed Republicans' bill banning gender-affirming care for LGBTQ youth. All right? Meaning that it's okay now for your kids. to They call this gender-affirming care. We know what it means. It means castration, mutilation, and sterilization. So they don't want, they want the kids that are there to be sterilized, and they don't want you to have any children. Now, how much more sad could it be, your existence? I would love to see them interview these people when they're 50 years old, and they look back at their life of consumerism and their life of materialism, and they realize that they were conned out of God's greatest gift that you can ever get on this earth. And they're trying to encourage you to do the same thing. Now, obviously, this show I started up over the summer for five years I've hosted first-class fatherhood. 
where I've brought on everybody from Matthew McConaughey, Steve Harvey, uh, Tony Hawk, uh, Tom Brady. I've interviewed over 700 people about fatherhood. The reason I started that show is because, yes, I'm a railroad mechanic, but part-time Uber driver on the weekends, right? Friday, Saturday night. And I would always hear these young men, whenever I told them I had four kids, they always looked at me like I had four heads. And they would constantly be like, four kids? Oh, that. They looked at me as if I was the dumbest person on the planet. Like, I would never do that. They looked at it as it was, you should, this is something that would ruin their life if they had children. So my idea after hearing this night after night from young men in this country, I said, man, I, 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 I wanted to put it on tape, me telling them, listen, this is going to be the greatest experience of your life. I was trying to convince them that, no, you've got this all twisted here. This is actually when your life is going to begin. And I was like, man, I should put this on tape. Podcasting was booming at that moment. It was easy access to launch one. So I launched one about fatherhood and I never looked back. And I've been trying to bring on so many people that have accomplished great things in life. The Super Bowls, uh, MVPs, Navy SEALs, Academy Award winners, people that have accomplished what we would consider to be great things in life. And I bring them on and they testify that, you know what, I've done this, I've done that, I've had this accomplishment, that accomplishment, but nothing has brought me more fulfillment in life than becoming a father and having children. And so those are the messages that I want to get out there to these young American men that are out there. Stop listening to this stupid stuff you're hearing about dinks about how your life is so much better because you can, you can be together and have all this money together and not have to have any children. Don't be a sucker. Start a family and leave a legacy. Okay, so if, if, it's, if it's, we're not hearing it from the dinks, we're hearing it from these people that want to just castrate children and they're all being applauded. And it's sickening what's happening here. So we're going to get into a little bit more about that. Let me just say a few words here. I'm somebody that travels quite a bit doing interviews around the country here. I've traveled. I know I started out the year uh, flying out to Vivek Ramaswamy's headquarters there. He wanted to interview me on his show. Um, I, I did an interview. Tommy Laren had me out on her show in Tennessee. So I travel quite a bit. And the biggest part about that that really sucks is that I'm away from the kids, uh, traveling away from my wife and family. And But I'll tell you what, right next to that, being the part that sucks is the fact that I don't get to sleep on my bed at home. And it is because I have got this mattress topper from my pillow. I don't have the new one. I'm going to have to ask Mike to send me that new one there. I got to get that new, they have the heating and cooling in them right now with the my pillow 2.0 mattress topper 2.0. I still have mine. And it's, it, this thing is, it feels like right now sleeping on it. Like the first night that I slept on, it. I've had it for years now, but it is my favorite product from my pillow. Obviously, Mike Lindell. I've done interviews with Mike Lindell. He sponsors First Class Fatherhood, my show. I'm using the same sponsor here for the Alec Lay Show. I'm not hitting you guys really with any ads other than things that I use myself. So if my pillow is one of those, I got all of my pillow products. My favorite one is obviously, I always rave about this. It is the mattress topper. So Christmas is here. Christmas time, you know, if you're looking to get somebody, and uh, listen, for yourself, for one, if you want to get yourself something for Christmas, get yourself this mattress topper. But you know about the pillows, the, the sheets, the bathrobes, the slippers, the whole bit. Everything on my pillow, you're going to get the best deal using the promo codes. That's how it works. Use my promo code, Fatherhood. You're going to save up to 80% off on my pillow right now. So get over to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code, Fatherhood. You're going to save up to 80% on your order, okay? And I highly suggest if you have somebody on your wish list uh, that's important to you, uh, I would get them the MyPillow products. But if you want to get something for your house, I'm telling you right now, this MyPillow uh, mattress topper is the is the best mattress I've ever slept on. Get over to MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, save up to 80%. Uh, get somebody the MyPillow, the my slippers, the, you know, you know the whole thing. They got a hundred something products over there. So Mike's doing it up. He's been dropped by everybody. Everyone's banned him from here, banned him from there. Why? Because he's a Donald Trump supporter and he speaks the truth. So they banned Mike from everything. Even the interview I did with him got pulled down on YouTube. We never talk about anything. So they hate Mike Lindell. They won't allow his products anywhere, but you can go right to the website, MyPillow.com, promo code fatherhood save up to 80 percent off all right now that just a program update before i bring the senator on here uh, i will be on fox business tonight on the bottom line with dagan uh, mcdowell and sean duffy so if you want to tune in and check me out on there about 6 40 p.m eastern standard time i will be on that program so fox business the bottom line about 6 40 i'll be on there with dagan and duffy don't know what topics we're going to have but i'm sure it'll be something good so if you're interested uh tune in all right, so right now we got Senator Steve Daines. Senator Steve Daines is a family man. 
Uh, and you guys, I'm just passionate about right now uh, sticking up the parents of the underdog in this country right now. We And parental rights getting smashed all over the place. Uh, Steve Daines, a family man himself. He has been a senator from Montana since 2015. He's a guy that uh, supports Donald Trump. He endorsed Donald Trump just about right off the dribble when Donald Trump announced his campaign. He's been an early supporter, endorser of Donald Trump. Uh, for president in 2024. So I'm honored to get him on the podcast today. Put some questions down the chat. Leave some comments down the chat as we're going along here. I'll keep an eye on it. And right now, let's bring in Senator Daines. All right. Joining me now, Senator Steve Daines. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Glad to join you, Alec. Thanks. Well, it's an honor to be here. And one of the things, Senator, that's uh, troubling me really right now, and I think so many other parents in this country, I know you're a family man yourself. I believe you got four kids just like I do. And it's the fact that we have the parental rights that are under attack. I just seen, you know, this week we saw people testifying about how uh, men should be allowed to compete in women's sports. And I, I just can't believe that this is the point we're at in America right now, where we're seeing parents' rights being diminished in the school system and with sports, especially having a daughter myself. Uh, I just kind of wanted to get your take on, you know, maybe give a little hope to the parents in this country now that are kind of scratching their heads is what what's going on here. Alec, I couldn't agree more. As you mentioned, we are parents of four. We have two boys, two girls. We're now grandparents of six. Our our kids did what you hope every parent hopes. They went off. Uh, they have great careers. But most importantly, they found spouses. Uh, they've chosen very well, married and, and having babies, which are thrilling to, to Cindy and me. But I, I tell you, I never thought I'd live to see the day where we'd be having this conversation now, really. I mean, about the fact that biological men, biological boys are competing against our daughters in sports. I ne- never thought I'd see it. I mean, I, I can't imagine we're even having to have discussions. It should even be a policy debate in our country. But as you know, it seems increasingly that when we take a position of logic, science, rational fairness in opposing this, now we're you know all, called all kinds of names. But we've got to stand absolutely firm, unwavering on this. We can't allow this slippery slope to continue to accelerate. This is a fundamental question of fairness and safety and protections for our daughters. It's not just sports, too. It's whether it's a homeless shelter, restrooms. It's absurd. And this is why what you're doing with your your show and getting the word out is so important. And I want to give hope to parents out there that they're not alone in this frustration, uh, that there's many elected leaders like myself that are in this fight, standing shoulder to shoulder with parents, because this is not a theoretical discussion. I'm a father of two amazing daughters. and I'm going to fight for those girls. Yeah. Amen to that, Senator. And I think there's so many parents that are just afraid to speak out. So they, they're against it, obviously, but they're afraid to voice their opinion because they see the backlash that comes. You're called all kinds of names just for simply stating that you don't want a grown man using the bathroom with your daughter. And it's just amazing how it's gotten so far out of whack. And the other thing is, too, is our society looks down on the family life. It looks down on, on, on Christian families in particular. And it's like we're seeing this trend even on uh, social media. I don't know if you've seen it, this dink trend that it's called dual income, no kids. You have a bunch of young people walking around celebrating how great their barren existence is and they don't have kids and their life is so great. And it's like our society is kind of put, we see people having kids later in life or not having them at all. And it's like our society is gearing everybody or trying to tell people that not having a family uh, is the best thing that they can do. Whereas I say, I think everyone, you should start your family and leave a legacy. I couldn't agree more. And, and I tell you, you're going to have a generation that's going to grow old and have tremendous regrets when they look back at the, that window of time, when, when you have that opportunity to have children, to grow families, one of our biggest single threats to our country, frankly, to the Western world, is demographics and birth rates that are now, you know, we, we, we used to be proud of the fact we were above 2.1 live births per couple, which, of course, is the sustaining where you got to be above that to actually grow your population. In the United States, for the first time in its history, is now around 1.7. We are following the decline of Europe. And you see what's happened in Europe now where they're losing their families. You no longer have you know, the big Italian families. We always thought about the aunts and uncles and the cousins getting around the, the Christmas table there for a celebration. No more. That's gone. And we can't let that happen to our country. We've got to continue to promote policies that encourage having more children. And is having children... Um, 
sometimes an inconvenience. Yes, it is. You know, we're parents. You know that. Would it be easier to just lay on a beach all the time and not have to worry about kids? The answer is yes. But you miss out, I think, in the greatest joys in life. And particularly as we get older, we're, we're blessed. Now, we, we, we had all of our kids home for Thanksgiving. Uh, and uh, we had all six of our little grandbabies. And the oldest one is four. And the youngest one's one month old. We went from three to six grandbabies in the last 12 months. This is a blessing if God gives it to you. It's a blessing. And I will tell you, as I, if we're speaking here to the younger generation, don't miss this moment to, to get married, have children, and think about grandchildren someday. I, I agree. It's, listen, I'm in no hurry to get where you are, but I look forward to the day where I do have some grandkids. My <laughs> oldest is 17, a senior in high school, so I'm not in such a hurry to get there, but I do look forward to it. And one of the things I always stress is the fact that we've got a fatherless crisis going on in our country where we got so many kids in this country growing up without a father or a father figure and in my opinion it's the number one social issue that we have we try to solve all these other political issues we try throwing money over here a uh, changing the policy over here but unless we get our fathers back into the home god back into society and law on the street those three things without it our society is crippled we're godless we're fatherless and we're lawless what's your take well, agreed. I, I do think you, you look at the plights of our inner cities, particularly in the African-American community, um, where it's, it's so many fatherless households. It's those moms. It's those moms who might be taking those kids to church on a Sunday morning. You know, the dads, the dads either have died, they're incarcerated, have left. Uh, but this now is translating to something beyond just uh, the African-American community. We're seeing this across multiple races across our country and ethnicities. So it's so important. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, the gift of a, of a great father and the need for fathers, also the need to raise young boys to turn into men, you know, the need for masculinity, because a, ma a masculine man is a gentleman. We want to train our young boys to be gentlemen, to open the doors uh, for those ladies. Uh, to let them walk in front to if they walk in a room, you give your seat to those ladies and the men will stand up that that is that is honoring women. And we are building a culture now that, that demeans women because men don't understand the proper role of a man to be a gentleman. Yeah, very well said, Senator. And one of the things, too, here that's that's hurting all these families in, a, in our country right now is the open border. And the open border, we're seeing these illegal immigrants coming in. They're affecting families all across all 50 states. But how is obviously, you know, it's an epidemic right now. And it just seems like all we do all day long is watch these videos of mostly young military age men crossing our border in caravans every day. And it just seems like we're defenseless to stop it. How is the open border affecting Montana and families in Montana? Yeah, well, as we say in Montana, we are a northern border state because we border Canada on our northern border, but we are a northern border state that's having a southern border crisis. It's affecting Montana in a couple of ways. Number one is the flood of fentanyl that's coming across from Mexican cartels. Alec, I've been down on the southern border three different times. My last visit was in the middle of October. I went to McAllen, Texas. I was taken by some of Senator John Cornyn's staff there to the Ursula Processing Center, which is right there on the Rio Grande River. And the night I was there, they had apprehended four men from Syria. These were young men in their mid-20s. I think there's a, a misunderstanding by many American people that somehow these are Mexicans and Central Americans who are coming up the southern border. Look, it was Iran, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Yemen. Tunisia, Morocco, Afghanistan, Turkmenistan, Tajikistan, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan. These are the individuals coming across that southern border, uh, in addition to the, the Central American and South American countries. And as you, as you well know, Alec, we've had nearly now 200 individuals apprehended on the southern border who were hits on the terror FBI terror watch list. So so we're seeing the flood of fentanyl because this border patrol is trying to do their best to process. They no longer try to stop these people. It's just processing them as they, they round them up, process them and release them in our country. It does not give them the bandwidth to, to spend more time trying to interdict the drugs coming up from the cartels. And so we're being hit with that in Montana. The second thing we're being hit with now are the illegals. In fact, just in my hometown of Bozeman, Montana, where I went to kindergarten through college, 
they, they, they arrested two different illegals who had come across the border in the last week driving the wrong way under the influence of alcohol on the interstate highway. That will kill somebody. Wow. That's scary stuff, too, especially, you know, I, my oldest, they're just getting ready to get their licenses and get on the road. And not only do you have to worry about as many maniacs as there already is on the road, you got to worry about illegals that have no idea what they're doing, no ideas of the laws of the road. And they're out there on the same road as your wife, the same road as your kids. And it just seems like and again, another one of these things that we're seeing over here right by me in New York, uh, you have the illegal aliens that are now pushing veterans out of uh, out of housing. So they're kicking the veterans out and they're putting in illegal aliens. They have so many in New York City. They have no idea where to put them, where to stuff them. They're putting them in hotels. They're building little shelters. They, they're putting them. They want to put them in the airports. They have no clue what to do with them. Another thing I saw you speaking uh, on Tuesday about this is now they're also taking up the VA benefits. I heard you talking about this. If you could uh, hit my listeners a little about this VA healthcare going to illegal immigrants. Yeah, just in the last week, Al. I've spoken, we heard me speak there was on Tuesday. I'm part of the Republican Senate leadership team. So we have a press conference every Tuesday and we can pick whatever topic we want to talk about. And and you're speaking to the national audience. I've been speaking about the border every week for the past several weeks. A week ago, Tuesday, I was talking about a story when I was flying back from Montana to Washington, D.C., I commute back and forth Monday morning. I get on a Delta airplane, fly through Minneapolis, come into Reagan Airport here in D.C. I was speaking to one of our members of law enforcement there at the airport. He'd been a part of Montana Highway Patrol for over 20 years. Very distinguished member of law enforcement in Montana. Really good guy. He said, hey, I got to tell you a little story, Senator. I said, what's that? He said, we had a a criminal, a guy who had violent tendencies who was going to board a plane. Now, he wasn't under arrest, but he had a criminal background, violent tendencies. We were worried about the safety of the passengers on the plane he was going to be boarding. So we called to get an air marshal put on board to shadow this guy to make sure he didn't do something irrational on the airplane. The law enforcement officer told me they could not get an air marshal because the air marshals had been deployed to the southern border to process illegals. That was my last week's story. My story this week was about the fact now we're seeing illegals going into VA facilities and so forth and getting they're taking health care benefits away, taking bandwidth away from our veterans. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, Alec, we're seeing now they're putting pressure on the VA system. My dad's a Marine. I'm thankful for to be the son of a Marine. My father-in-law was Air Force. To think that illegals are now competing with our veterans to get health care outrageous. And, and I did see the report, too, that the, I forget who it was that's suggesting uh, maybe it was your colleague. Um, I don't want to say because I'm, I'm not sure, but they were suggesting that we put the illegals into our military. Uh, they were saying that this would be a good idea. This is something we could do. Imagine putting these illegal I- immigrants into the military and thinking that would be a safe place for our active military members. So we're already we're already put throwing our, our veterans under the bus. Now you want to put our active duty members in harm's way by putting in these people that are unvetted. We have no idea why they're here. You said 200 of them that we know of that were on the terror watch list. And now we, we have, we're going to encourage them to, to get, get into the military. Look, um, I, I'm not sure. We've, well, we, we, we've never seen the border in this situation in my lifetime, perhaps ever. We're breaking records. Just when we didn't think we could break another record, we are. Just in the last week, we're seeing more increases. And I'm hearing it may get even a lot worse as we're going forward here. When, when I was down there uh, at, in McAllen, Texas, I, I flew in on United Airlines from Houston to McAllen, Texas to, to go down and see the, the, the Ursula Processing Center there on the Rio Grande. As I'm being picked up, I'm rolling my roller bag. I've got my briefcase. I'm in my jeans and boots because they're still on their very informal kind of visit. I was going to be at Border Patrol riding in their pickups. I don't like PowerPoint slide presentation in a conference room. I want to be out there getting my fingernails dirty, my boots dirty, which I literally did. Had to scrape the mud off when I was finished, which was great. But as I'm walking out of the airport, there's three guys sitting on on the bench, kind of separate. They weren't they weren't with each other. Just three different guys. And one of the uh, Senator Corn and staff members who speak Spanish, I don't, I barely speak English. You know, I, I try, I'm trying to learn how to, to speak English better. And so I'm, I'm, I'm chatting with, um, with one of the guys through an interpreter. I said, where are you from? He said, Cuba. How much did you pay to get across the border? $4,000. Wow. Where are you headed? I'm headed to Boston. The next guy who's sitting, you know, maybe four spaces over by himself. Where are you from? He said, Venezuela. 
How much do you pay? $3,500. It's the cartels. Where are you headed to? Miami. And then the third guy, where are you from? Ecuador. How much do you pay to get here? It was, I think he was $3,800. Where are you headed? Chicago. I mean, this is just the first three guys that are sitting there waiting for their Uber ride who illegally came across the border in the last 48 hours. It's just incredible that we see these videos. And and again, it's just like everyone say, well, why don't we do something to stop it? And then we hear from the media or we hear from Mayorkas, who for some reason we can't seem to impeach while we're throwing one of our own guys out of the house. We hear Mayorkas saying, oh, the border is secure. And then we look at these videos and say, well, where are these videos all coming from? You know, we have the active, uh, thank God for these uh, citizen journalists who go down to the border where the press won't go and video all this stuff so we can see it. But yeah, they're, they're shipping people all over the place. So meanwhile, <clears throat> excuse me, Senator, we have the invasion of these illegal aliens. So we were competing with that. We also have this problem of Biden's inflation that has been crippling American families, especially right now. It's holiday time. Listen, I'm a guy. I told you I, I got four kids. I'm a full time railroad mechanic. I drive Uber on the side. My wife works for the church. We're doing everything we can. And it seems like it's not enough right now, especially with, like I said, Christmas is right around the corner. The families are really hurting right now in this country. And it seems like until we can get to the next election, the next inauguration and get this Biden crime family out of there, it almost seems like there's no hope but how is the biden inflation affecting montanans oh boy it's it's hitting us hard you know montana is a state um that uh is characterized by a lot of families having to work two different jobs you know we, we've got we have a beautiful place to live i'm, I'm an af- active outdoors i love to hunt we love to fish we love to backpack i get to live the you know the montana dream but look a lot of montana families are having to work two and three jobs between a husband and wife that they're spending their time just trying to pay the rent and even just pay the, the property taxes. It's, it's out of control. We we've seen inflation affecting Montana's in many, many ways. We're, we're very dependent on gas prices because it's a big state. We have to drive long distances to get places. That's killing us right now in Montana. You got Joe Biden who's out there shutting down. He shuts down the Keystone pipeline. By the way, that Keystone pipeline came through Montana. The first place it came in from Canada was into Montana that was a gut punch for us in so many ways. The jobs, the tax revenues that pipeline is going to actually provide for our state, uh, as well as a million barrels a day of oil. Wouldn't we rather have a million barrels a day of oil coming from Canada than from Venezuela and Iran when you see the Biden administration who lifts the, oil, the sanctions on Iranians and allows tens of billions of dollars to go right into the pockets then of Hezbollah, Hamas, and the Houthis who are trying to kill us and kill Israel, to kill, kill the Israelis. And so this, these consequences of the policies of the Biden administration of driving inflation up, the massive spending sprees, the horrible energy policy, the Iranian appeasement, it just it goes on and on and on. And I, I agree with you, 2024, November, can't get here soon enough. We've got to, as the American people, we've got to show up in droves to throw Biden out of office and to make sure we throw these Senate Democrats out of office as well, because they are complicit with Joe Biden, what's happening in this country right now. Yeah, very well said, Senator. And I wanted to get your take, too, on this. Another thing with Joe Biden is these this climate change, uh, you know, uh, cult that they they formed here about, oh, man-made climate change. So we're, everyone's got to be electric vehicles by such and such. He put in this uh, mandate for now. My father was a, a car dealer. He passed away 20 years ago. But for his whole life, he was selling cars. I can only imagine what he would think today where they're forcing these electric vehicles that nobody wants. They can't move them off of the lot. And they're now they're going to mandate that they that they have to have a certain percentage of these cars on the lot to sell and it just seems like they're hamstringing all of these dealerships who are trying to fight back and even though he's hearing it from all these dealerships i think three thousand of them that are saying hey we, we this is killing us here uh, they seem like nope this is our plan moving forward is that affecting you guys in montana as well i was imagining the dealers oh my word my auto dealers were uh were in my office here two weeks ago these are you know these are small business owners they're, they're trying to do something very important for the people of Montana. They're either, you know, they're selling used cars. They're selling new cars. We depend on our pickups a lot out in Montana to make it all work. I drive a, a Ford, an F-150. Uh, I'll tell you, the problem we have, Alec, is that this, this, the views of the Democrats and the left, it's not a rational policy. view. It's a religion they have embraced. Um, I, I've always said that the left anymore embraces a trinity their trinity, instead of as someone of faith, a Christian that believes in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the, the left embraces climate, LGBTQ, and abortion. 
Though that is their trinity. And it seems like every policy debate we have here on Capitol Hill is through the lens of one of that part of their trinity. So their climate agenda is is an ideology that borders on a religious kind of devotion. So they don't listen to rational, objective, logical comment. I'm a chemical engineer by degree. You know, I, I, I studied the sciences. This is they are not making a scientific argument. They call us the science and they are the science deniers on this because what they're trying to jam down our throats with these EV mandates will absolutely destroy, will destroy our transportation infrastructure as we know it today. Because after seven years, by the way, the batteries no longer operate. Remember, they have a shelf of about seven years in the car. You talk to the auto dealers, they'll tell you that if you held a car for seven years, you'd expect maybe you could trade it in someday for a different vehicle. At seven years, it's total because the price to replace a battery more than the price of the vehicle. So they've got a disaster on their hands. They don't know what to do. It goes back to a, a basic premise, and that is when you let government dictate economic policy, like a Soviet-style policy or a Chinese-style policy, you end up with disasters versus the free-to-choose Milton Friedman philosophy, free markets that we espouse as Republicans. Yeah, great stuff, Senator. It, 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 but it almost seems like this is the thing that drives me crazy. Is it, it almost seems like they know this and they're doing it on purpose. Like it seems like they're derailing, they're they're destroying this whole country. And it just seems like they're doing it on purpose. And I can't figure out why would they do this? Why do they want to destroy our country? They know by keeping this border open, it's going to be a disaster for this country. They know by doing this uh, EV mandate, it's going to be a disaster for the people in the auto industry. They, they know by uh, uh, loosening the sanctions on the oil overseas and making us not oil independent anymore in this country is going to be a disaster. But it seems like they know putting men in women's uh, bathrooms is going to be a disaster. Yet they're all backing it and championing it. And I can't figure out why do they want to destroy this country so much? What, what's your uh, what, why? What do you think it is that they want to kill this country for? Look, they have a very different ideology and worldview than we do. When the Bolsheviks started the revolution in Russia, they, they thought they were going to be ushering in these, these ideals, this nirvana state of what happened there with communism. Of course, communism leads to complete failure and collapse of prosperity and freedoms in society. You look at the Red Guard in, in uh, China. You know, I, I lived in China for six years as an expat working for Procter & Gamble. We were there to launch U.S. brands to compete against Chinese brands. We weren't there to offshore. We were there to compete, take American brands and beat the Chinese. I saw all that firsthand. Never, ever forget the, these, you know, these early revolutionaries all had these ideals they thought were going to usher in a much better society. And the, the fact is, it's a lie. Uh, it's the worst kind of consequences for to if you want to induce suffering, you embrace this ideology. And I'm I'm very concerned. The ideology of the left here is taking us down a similar path. Yeah, there's no doubt they are. So. Uh, I, I don't know. Like you said, you're a man of faith. I'm a man of faith. Got to have faith that this is going to get turned around. And and we're about 411 days or 410 days away from the inauguration in 2025. And it just seems like that's a decades away from right now. But uh, let me close it out on a good note here. I know we're right around the holiday season. I'm in New Jersey here, the communist state of New Jersey. We do things a little differently. I've never been to Montana. I travel quite a bit. I've never been there. What does the Montana, I picture you guys going out and shooting your Christmas dinner and bringing it home. What does the Montana Christmas look like for you? You got any traditions? that you do out there with your family for the holidays? Well, first of all, you're spot on on the shooting stuff part of it. Uh, I could show you all kinds of pictures of dead stuff that uh, my children, myself, my wife, our family go out. We love to hunt and you know and harvest our, our wild game. It's, it's a part of our Montana tradition. Uh, and by the way, Montana is a bastion of freedom now. The governor of our state has been cutting taxes, protecting our Second Amendment, standing up for families, standing up for school choice. He's been my business partner for the past 25 years. We both came from the private sector. We were business together, still still uh, have some businesses together. So we've got a wonderful governor. That's why you're seeing people moving to Montana. We call these people refugees. They're fleeing the heavy hand of blue states and moving to red states like Montana, where they feel like they can be free again and breathe the fresh, free air of Montana. But in our family, my, my great-great-grandma homesteaded in Montana. She was a Norwegian immigrant that came to, to Montana in search of freedom. Freedom for, from an economic reason, an opportunity, but also freedom for, of religion, because in Norway, the the clergy, the Lutherans, were actually employees of the state. They, they were actually employed by the government. You came to America, we had freedom of religion. And that was one of the reasons she came to our great state and our great country. But one of our traditions is we love Christmas Eve. We always read the Luke 2 story. Uh, the oldest grandchild, our, our family tradition, reads it before we open up our gifts. 
So Christmas Eve is kind of the big thing for us out there. That's part of our Scandinavian heritage. We usually have a lot of snow. It's very picturesque. We'll take the kids out sledding and skiing. It's just kind of like a Norman Rockwell kind of Christmas. We have elk literally in our pasture that might come down from the mountains we're looking at there. So if you're dreaming about a true, beautiful white Christmas, if you think about Montana, that's probably pretty close. Man, that sounds awesome. It, that, that sounds like a good pitch for people to move out there. I'm telling you, my, my youngest is our only girl. She's nine. So we got time yet, but we were talking about it. Montana's on the list of places we may flee to when we leave this uh, communist state here in New Jersey. So it sounds awesome. Uh, I really appreciate it. I'd love to have you back on anytime. I hope you and your family have a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Uh, Senator Steve Daines, thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on the Alec Lay Show. Thanks, Alec. And Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. All right, honored to have Senator Steve Daines on the Alec Lay Show here. Let me know what you thought about the interview. Hit me down in the chat. Leave a comment down below. Don't forget, hit the like button while you're down there. Share the broadcast if you could. Follow the channel if you wish. And uh, let me know. Like I said, I'm going to do my best to continue to get more members of the House, more members of the Senate to join me here on the Alec Lay Show. I think Steve Daines is a, a stand-up guy, family man, man of faith. Uh, Trump endorsement. So, uh, he, you know, he's my kind of guy here. I enjoyed the interview. Uh, and, and again, listen, I couldn't be farther away from Montana here. That, that's not my style, although it, was, it is a place I would definitely love to visit. I've interviewed quite a few people from Montana. It doesn't seem like there's too many uh, people unhappy with their living situation there in Montana. Definitely a different way of living and a different way of life. Uh, so I'm just curious about that type of lifestyle. Any of you guys listening out there from Montana, what do you have to say about the great state of Montana? Put it down there in the chat. Now, I just want to just finish out here with a couple of stories. Number one was everything going on on the Hill yesterday with all these testimonies was wild. And one of them was Riley Gaines. She's the swimmer that's advocating uh, to keep basically common sense, to keep men out of the girls' competition, out of the girls' locker room, to keep them out of the, out of the bathroom. That's what Riley Gaines has rose to fame doing, is defending women. So she gets into an exchange with the squad member, Representative uh, Summer Lee, who is a left-wing lunatic. So they go at it together. Here's the clip. That although the title of this hearing implies a much needed discussion, we're likely going to be forced to listen to transphobic bigotry. Unsafe, unfair and discriminatory practices towards women must stop. Inclusion cannot be prioritized over safety and fairness. And ranking member Lee, if my testimony makes me transphobic, then I believe your opening monologue makes you a misogynist. Thank you. I have, as the saying goes. Uh, Madam Chair, excuse me, I move to have uh, the gentlewoman's words taken down. Madam Chair, she's engaging in personalities. Can I just ask how it's fair to be called transphobic? There's a thing. I would say men disguising themselves as women are engaging in personalities. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, I move to withdraw the point of order. Summer Lee has no idea how to respond to this, being called, called a misogynist, right? She has no idea how to reply. I want to remove the, the, the words from the record. Like, she has no idea. She panic, then has to withdraw that because she realizes here that she's, been, she's got smoked by Riley Gaines. She, now, this is why... Now, Riley Gaines is being called a transphobic person just because she wants to keep men out of your daughter's bathroom and off your daughter's football, uh, soccer team or uh, swim, swimming team, whatever it may be. Keep these men out of the girl's locker room is what she's fighting for. And for it, they call her transphobic. In my opinion, Riley Gaines is 100% right. If you're anybody that thinks men belong in the locker room or in the bathroom with girls, you are misogynistic. You hate women. The only person that wants a man in the woman's locker room is somebody that hates women. And that's the bottom line. And the problem is, and why so many few parents are, 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 are why parents are afraid to talk about this is because of that backlash, that label that's going to come with you. It's going to come right to you. Oh, you're a transphobic. I'm telling you right now, I could care less what anybody calls me. I do not want a grown man in the bathroom with my daughter. I do not want a man competing with my daughter on her sports team. I don't want it. And, I, and, and, and shame on anybody who does. And, the, and these people that are doing these puberty blockers to children, the ones that are doing this gender-affirming care to children, should be locked up. It should be illegal, and they should be locked up for doing it. There's no excuse to be castrating children or, or, or stunting their puberty or sterilizing them. Because I'm telling you right now, when these kids... 
when these young boys who got castrated or these young girls who took all these puberty blockers and stopped their periods and all this other stuff, when they grow up, And they realize that, hey, I'd like to start a family or, hey, maybe I made a mistake. These people, these left wing lunatics, these parents, these adults that are around them supporting this shit, they are going to be nowhere to be found. You won't find them anywhere. They're not going to be there to pick up the pieces, because if one thing we learned about the left, it's they do not want to listen to or give a platform to anybody that has detransitioned. They will not give them a platform because they don't want their voices out there. They don't want to see that, oh, wait a minute, there's a downside to this. There's a possibility that I might want to change my mind down the line because right now I'm a 12-year-old. So bravo to Riley Gaines. We need many, many more people to stand up and stand out against this nonsense. What are we doing to our children in this country? And again, it goes back to what I started the program with, the dinks. right? Oh, look, we can have double income and no kids. Don't have any kids. That's the message. What's the message here with the child gender-affirming care? Don't let them ever have children. Grow up and be barren. That's what it is. They don't want you to procreate. They don't want you to have a family. And it's, it, it's sickening to see it. The other thing that was great that was on the Hill yesterday uh, was this Ivy League schools. You had the presidents of MIT. You had the president of Harvard. And you had the president of Penn. All of them there getting grilled. And as the question is very simple from Congresswoman Stefanik, very simple to answer. And look at how all three of them go Dodge City. Take a listen. At MIT, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? They've targeted at individuals not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment? I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. And Dr. Gay... At Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. None of them can just come out and say it's wrong and it's against the rule book to call for the genocide of Jewish people. They can't find it in their hearts to say it. Now, I would I would add that I think Congresswoman uh, Stefanik should have followed that up there And I think if she could replay it back, she would. She missed an opportunity here because she should have said right after they denied that, oh, it depends on the context. Oh, we can't say it because it depends on context. She should have immediately followed up with, okay, if a student on campus calls for the genocide of black people, is that against the rule book? And I bet you a dollar to a donut, not one of those three would have said it depends on the context. Stefania could have said, hey, If somebody calls for the genocide of the LGBTQ community, is that against the rules? Not one of them would have said it depends on the context. But because she asks, oh, is it okay if they say to uh, exterminate the Jews, a genocide for the Jewish people? They say, oh, it depends on the context. What in the world happened to this country? Again, today, Pearl Harbor. December 7th, 1941, we entered the war and liberated the Jews. And what's going on in our country today? Oh, it's, all, it's not against the rule book at Harvard and MIT to call for the, for the annihilation, the, the genocide of the Jews? That's not against... You know what is against their rule book? Calling you by the wrong pronoun. Here, look, right? You face serious punishment here. I put it on a board here for those that aren't watching on, uh, on Rumble here. You, you, there's punishment if you use the wrong pronouns, but not if you call for a genocide. That's the world we're living in here right now. And it's sickening to watch this happen. 
And now we get a little bit of better understanding why it is that kids are graduating from these schools and then come out of college and cannot find the, uh, don't have a skill set to get a job to pay back this money that they borrowed and now are begging you, the taxpayer, to pay it off. Now it starts to make a little more sense when you listen to these, the, these three left-wing lunatics that are running these institutions that are sitting on millions and millions of dollars of endowments but want you, the taxpayer, to bail out the kids that they conned into getting these degrees. I don't know what is happening in this country, and it is sickening to watch. All right, so those are the stories I wanted to hit you guys with. I'm I'm honored that I had Senator Daines on the podcast. If you missed it, roll back the tape here or roll back whatever you call it. I know we're not rewinding tape anymore. That's a little old school, but just flip it back a little bit. Check out the interview that I did with Senator Steve Daines. Let me know what you thought about it. Next week on Tuesday, I am scheduled to have Congressman Brian Babin join me here on the podcast. Don't miss out on that. That's going to be Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on Rumble. If you missed any of the previous interviews that I've done, I really encourage you to go through, scroll through the archives here. Uh, You've seen I've had uh, J.P. Sears, Roger Stone, Alan Dershowitz. Uh, many, many, many different people. Uh, uh, Tommy Tuberville, who, who fought tooth and nail uh, to stop these guys from getting their promotions until they took away uh, the, the abortion little piece that they put in there. They finally now are getting their promotions that they've been crying about. Tommy Tuberville was here uh, as well. Jason Rance, D.C. Drano. Go through the channel here. It's First Class Fatherhood is the channel. I haven't been able to get it changed, but it's First Class Fatherhood here. Follow me here. I have they just started that other channel, the Alec Lace channel. I'm going to try to move everything over there if possible. It's a slow go. But just follow me, share it, support it if you can, and I appreciate your time. God bless all of you parents that are out there right now. You guys are the underdog in this country, and it's going to take the parents to win this country back. God bless you. God bless you listeners out there, our medical and first responders with our military veterans. God bless America, and I will catch you guys Tuesday. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My pillow 2.0. Wow, it's so soft and smooth. It's cool to the touch. How did you do that? Well, we took my pillow's patented fill and combined it with this new technology that we didn't have back then when I invented my pillow to bring you the best pillow in history, MyPillow 2.0. Just like all of you, I never imagined that MyPillow could get any better. That's why I haven't changed it in nearly 20 years. Then I heard about a revolutionary new technology, and I knew I had to bring it to you all. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD to save 50% on the all-new MyPillow 2.0. You can also save $90 on the original MyPillow slippers. Get the luxurious Giza Dream sheets for only $29.98. And get up to 40% off on the Mattress Topper 2.0. Visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit MyPillow.com. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is... 